Hey there, ladies and germs. Welcome to I Like Your Style with Elder Bryson. We are here with Pete from the band Ending Left. Very excited about this. They're a piano rock band from our hometown of San Diego. How's it going, Pete? I'm good, man. How are you? Same old shit, man. Thanks for joining us. So, uh, like, um, tell us about tell about tell us about Ending Left. Tell us what you guys are about. Oh, um, what are we about? <laughs> We, we play um, around San Diego. We play around California, trying to, to branch out and tour, you know, other cool places. Uh, we've been playing music for a really long time. Me and my drummer, Aaron, uh, we've been playing since we were like seven years old, or at least like wanting to be in a band at that time. But we came out with uh, our first self-titled EP in 2016. And that's kind of where like ever since then we've been <laughs> doing more shows and stuff. Awesome. I love it. Uh, what's one thing you wish you'd known when you started uh, your music career back at seven years old or maybe when the EP came out <laughs> at, in 2016? Man, there's there's stuff that I still wish I knew right now. <laughs> um, I guess just like kind of how much you have to grind. Uh, you kind of think, especially when you're starting, you're like, man, I'll just release something and, and people uh, like it or maybe no one will hear it or, or whatever. But uh you really have to, to just keep doing it and not get, uh, I don't know. There's, there's moments where you get kind of bummed out sometimes where it's not going the way that you want it to, but that's kind of how it goes. You just have to keep doing it and not give up at all. Oh yeah, for sure. I, I think there's, I mean, there's 40,000 songs uploaded to Spotify every day is the number right yeah. now. Like it's, it's hard to cut through the noise and it's the people who really grind that are going to do it, you know, and people, you know, complain all the time. Well, your art should speak for itself. I mean, yeah, but <laughs> everybody wants to be an artist and, you know, be successful at it. So it's the people who well, it's a also, business too, you know, like you got to treat it like a little bit like a business as well. Exactly. So in the modern era uh, of rock and roll, what does the phrase sex, drugs, rock and roll mean to you? Uh, sex, drugs, rock and roll. I don't know how much it really applies to uh to, to our style of music. Um, I guess to me, I, I think a little bit of like, kind of like eighties classic rock, you know, just that phrase really goes with that time period. Um, and there's a lot of music that I, that I like from that time period too. It just, I guess it's not what we really, uh, write about that much for me, you know? Yeah, no, I, I get it. That's it. It's just interesting to see the evolution of music over the years, you know, and, how, oh, absolutely! You know, how how much different things are than they were twenty years ago. Um, on a scale, oh, yeah, yeah. On a scale of one to ten, how weird are you? <laughs> um, well, I would say ten. I'd say I'm pretty weird. Uh, I don't, I don't know. I mean, there's definitely like little quirky things that that I do. Um, you know, all of us. I guess we're we're kind of a band of, of weirdos, and I think most musicians are <laughs> weird to some extent. You know. Sure. What's, a, what's an example? Like, what's something weird your drummer does? <laughs> something weird my drummer does. Uh, fuck. There's, I mean, he's just a weirdo. Like, there's a lot of weird things. Uh, I remember kind of growing up, he, he went through this phase of just just saying this, this uh, these kind of, like, motivational, like, catchphrases. And they were always fucking nonsense. But, like, if you were listening, like, but not really listening to what he was saying, it would just sound so inspirational. Give us one. What's what's the what's your favorite one? Oh, I I don't even remember. They were literally nonsense. It was, he was just talking about like you know, 
not going out in the in the fucking fire and and counting your cards and they're laying down on the table. He was just saying like uh, just kind of like. <laughs> You know, just random catchphrases that make no sense. Mixed cliches. If you weren't listening, you were like, man, that's that's kind of inspirational. <laughs> I love it. Um, speaking of inspiration, what have you been listening to lately that's inspired you? Oh, man. I mean, I, I'm kind of someone who's who listens to a lot of the same shit that I had listened to when I was younger, too. I, I love, like, Jimmy Eat World. That's kind of like, I like, like, 90s and early 2000s pop punk or emo bands. Uh, I love something corporate. Um, I've really been into Elliot Smith lately who is probably one of the most depressing artists out oh, there yeah. or not even out there anymore. Cause he passed away. But, uh, but I, I love, I love those kind of like metaphorical lyrics that uh, just kind of speak volumes about what, what a person's going through and, and what they're trying to, to do. That's, that's beautiful. I love getting in the argument about whether or not Elliot Smith actually stabbed him in the self in the heart, seven times, <laughs> or whether someone killed him, you know, like, yeah, there's, there's no, well, way. I know that like, he definitely did try to kill himself before that. So right. I wouldn't be that surprised if he, if he really did just do that. Um, and I know he was, he was uh, said to be a little bit jealous of the way Cobain killed himself. Uh, aren't we all though? <laughs> yeah, for sure. But the, the thing you mentioned, something corporate is something that nobody ever talks about anymore. And I, I don't understand how Andrew McMahon isn't the biggest star in the world. Sometimes I fucking love Andrew McMahon. He's just like, I mean, he's a huge inspiration for why I even started playing piano, just that, that music. Oh, yeah. Same here. Like, I, I would have never bothered with the piano if it wasn't for something corporate and Jack's mannequin. And then his solo yeah. stuff is so good, too. I just I, I can't believe after all these years he's still playing small venues. Like, it's great for me. But I'm, yeah, it's like <laughs> I, a little it's like a great little secret. Yeah, exactly. I don't know how he's not on arena tours. His songwriting is immaculate. But uh, oh, absolutely. So, yeah. So, uh, as a musician, what has been your biggest failure so far and what did you learn from it? Biggest failure. I would say, uh, this actually, I guess kind of goes back to when you were saying before about like, uh, what do I wish I had known before? And when I first started the kind of gigs that we were taking, we would, I mean, even still now I'm kind of like, uh, a whore for whoever will, you know, have us play. I'm just like, yes, I'll do it. But, uh, there's some kind of shows, especially in the beginning where you would do this, uh, pay to play, kind of thing where they're like, you know, sell these tickets. And, and if you don't sell them the money that, you know, you were, you would have made for it, you have to kind of pay out of pocket. And it's just, a, it's a way to really, uh, I feel like scam a lot of newer starting bands. And, uh, and I wish I had been more aware of that. And I wish, you know, I, I would like for more people to kind of know not to, uh, you know, not to take that because it's, it's a, it seems a little shady to me, but it's shady and realistically nobody nobody's coming to that show is coming and it's gonna see your man and i mean maybe but realistically it's it's the handful of friends and family members that the other bands you know forced out and you know a lot exactly. of unsold tickets because a lot of bands don't have when they're in the stage that they're still doing pay to play and falling for that they don't have a draw like <laughs> Yeah. And you're not in like, if you do have a draw, you're probably not going to take those kinds of shows. Usually like you, like a lot of people that are uh, becoming, you know, you're still a local band, but you're, you're kind of outgrown that stage. So if you can pull in that kind of crowd, usually you won't take it or you don't support those kind of venues that, or those kind of events that, that rent out those venues. Exactly. 
So, yeah, it's it uh, that's a scam for any aspiring musicians to look out for. If somebody's trying to charge you to pay their music. Now, playing shows for free is a totally I'll play any free show if it's for a cause yeah, or absolutely. whatever. If it gets me in front of people, I'm I'm happy to do it, you know, and I'm, but once it's uh when the people are asking you to pay them money to you know, give you your craft, it's it's, it's something you should really reconsider. Uh, and it's a lot of uh, it's it's a thing that a lot of like newer starting bands they of course don't know it's something you kind of have to learn the hard way and you're like man I just shelled out three four hundred bucks to to play in front of nobody you know yeah exactly fuck that um, yeah <laughs> well what so what advice would you uh, on that note uh, what advice would you give to some of these new aspiring bands who are who are trying to break through into that level of you know playing shows that people actually go to. Uh, I, I, well, first of all, yeah, don't take those shows, uh, pull out, you decline. Um, I would say a good way to start out is to just do a lot of open mics in the beginning and kind of force people to listen to you. You know, you'll, you'll have to wait a while to play just because there's usually, especially in San Diego, I'm sure, you know, there's a lot of, um, people that want to do open mics and there's a lot of people that, that want to show their music. Um, but you just, you just keep doing that. You go whatever open mic you can for as long as you can just to play, you know, 10 minutes and you get people kind of listening and, and people that, that want to talk to you. You make, I think even the most important part of doing that is you make friends with other musicians and you kind of make these connections through that. that that's how you kind of get yourself playing uh, better shows where people actually come to listen to you and, and not, uh, not do any sort of pay to play thing. Oh yeah. That's, that's a great advice. Um, who are the three people, whether it be musicians or not, um, that have been most influential to you as an artist and a person? Uh, one, I would say Andrew McMahon, for one. Uh, absolutely. Um, I guess, hmm, that's kind of a good question. There's, there's a lot of musicians that I really like, and I feel like a big part of uh, why I might be more inspired by a musician is also how they kind of present themselves and uh, kind of like, like who they are as a person, you know, I, I like, like I said, I like Jimmy E. World. I like Jim Atkins. I, I like the, the members of that band. They just seem like kind of cool guys. And they, the way they interact with their fans too, they just seem like genuinely cool, good people. Um, and it makes me want to listen to the music more. And there's, there's been other musicians that I had liked. And then, you know, the, the more I kind of see how they are as, as a, as people, I'm like, it makes me, it makes me dislike their music a little more. It makes me not really want to listen to them as much. Yeah. Um, no, I know exactly so I, what you I, mean. Yeah, yeah. So, like, uh, I would say, like, yeah, Jim Edkins, uh, Jimmy World, Andrew McMahon. Um, I'm not going to say Elliot Smith, uh, <laughs> even though I really do like him. I just don't want to be that person that, that uh, but, you know. Um, another musician that, that I really like that I think is... It's just, there's just a fucking lot. There's some, I mean, there's even like, like my bass player, Isaac, he's in another band uh, called Suburban Park where he plays guitar and sings. And every member of that band, I think are, there's really fucking great people. And I really like being around them. There's a lot of local bands too, where you just meet these people. Some of them are, are bigger local bands and they're the way that they just, uh, you know, talk to, to you or just even their fans. They're, they're really cool people. They're, they're people that haven't let that kind of uh, attention go to their head yet i mean i don't know if it's you know but uh but i think that's a really cool thing to see yeah no that's awesome um and th thank you for that because like i just moved here to san diego and i just kind of got started here before the rona 
So like I haven't gotten to see any of that yet. So I'm really excited that 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 pumps me up a bunch. Uh, yeah. Um, I, I mean, like as far as uh, as far as COVID too, it, it really sucks to uh, to not be able to, to play shows and stuff. You get to you know interact more, I guess, on social media, which I'm fucking terrible at. I'm I'm trying to get better at uh, at doing that. But I can't wait until that that kind of thing goes, and then we can actually start playing shows and stuff again. And then you can actually like, you know, start to make those San Diego connections because there's a lot of really cool people here. That's that's awesome. Yeah, I was I really stoked because like right when I got started, like the week before the Rona, I set up this like nice little like street performance rig. Right, I got a little battery powered PA and a battery powered fly rig for my guitar. You know and. Uh, you know it w- i was super stoked and then like the first night i went out to play it rained and then oh. the rona hit <laughs> of course so she just got the the worst fucking luck doing that oh absolutely <laughs> but it, it happens it's bound to happen but uh yeah you also yeah. mentioned jimmy Eat world i have never like i've never gotten to see jimmy Eat world like headline a show I, they're always opening or at a festival or something mm-hmm. and i've never like been disappointed by them once they put on such a great performance even when it's like two in the afternoon on the side stage yeah it's so funny too because it's like they're, they're people, you know, they're their most mainstream song in the middle, you know, and, and everybody knows that song. They're definitely a famous band, but ever since then, they've kind of gone back into that, like, uh, they're not, I wouldn't say they're local, obviously, but uh, they, yeah, it's just different. Like, you know, pe- people that go to see them, it's like they have this this little, like, click of a fan base, which is really awesome. Yeah, no, it's it's, it's really cool. That's, uh, that's, a, that's a great point. Um, so where can our listeners connect with you guys online? Uh, I mean, we're, we're on uh, Instagram. That's kind of where we mainly, you know, post stuff. We post on Instagram and Facebook. Instagram is the official ending left where you can find us. Uh, we're on Twitter. We never really post on it. We're trying to, to start doing that more. And I think that's under real ending left. Um, we're on, uh, I mean, as far as music too, we're on, you can listen to our album Charting Colors or our self-titled or our second album that we're uh, in the, that's in the works right now in the studio. Um, on like YouTube, you can listen to that for free. Uh, we're on Spotify, uh, Apple Music, like iTunes, uh, Google Play, pretty much anywhere you really look, uh, you can probably find our stuff on there. I think we're on Amazon Music too. We're just trying to get it out <laughs> everywhere that uh, we could. Trying to be everywhere, but Instagram would be the main main hub. That's awesome. Um, okay, so uh, you, you guys have a new album coming out. What's a, tell us about that. So uh, kind of the same situation that, that you were talking about, like, you know, you got to San Diego and you're trying to, to do this stuff and then, you know, uh, COVID hits and then everything's kind of shut down. We were uh, tracking drums and guitar when uh, the coronavirus hit. We were getting some of the, our, you know, demos sent back to us and listening to, to how it was sounding. And we're, it's 10 new, or uh, actually I think it's 11 or 12 new songs now that we're working on that have already been written and we've been playing some of these uh, songs live. I would say it's a little bit heavier. Uh, I mean, we're not like we're not like a metal band, but but uh, it's a, it's a little like uh, darker tuning. It's a little bit darker lyrics, um, and it's I don't know. I, I'm pretty happy with it. I'm pretty excited for it uh, to see what people think about it. I think it's going to be pretty exciting to see. That's that's rad. Uh, so you guys got started before the road hit. I take it is the album finished. No, I mean the, the songs are done, but we're still re- we were in the process of recording them. We did a bunch of demos, and then we done. actually started tracking them. So there, we have like these half track songs that are kind of we're kind of just sitting on right now, just waiting. Oh, that hurts! 
Yeah. Yeah, it's killer. All right, well, I've got this, uh, I've got your song Defective queued up. We're going to go ahead and play it real quick, if that's all right. Can you tell us about that song? Yeah. So, uh, that's, I mean, with that album in general, um, there's kind of like this, this, uh, this underlying message of like, like, I don't know. I tried to, I tried to use like, uh, colors in general to express like, you know, feeling, which is something a lot of musicians do. And there's a lot of references to different colors and stuff in in that album. Um, I, I was trying to be creative. I don't know how well it worked out, but, uh, in that first song on the album, I say, uh, something along the lines of like I'll, I'll use colors, chart them down, kind of like saying, uh, if you want to know more about me or the kind of person that I am, you can uh, listen to the songs and, and kind of find out what those colors mean. Uh, Defective is a song that also has that in there. Uh, I wrote that whole album, I think, in like a month. All the, all the lyrics, all the, the music for it, because I was just, I really wanted to get that album out as soon as possible. It was right after we finished the EP. It had been released, and then the next month I had another album of songs ready. Um, and that song is kind of just about like, as far as like like you were saying before on a scale of like weirdness. One of the weirder things about me is just how um, I feel some sometimes kind of like an alien in, in a sense. I feel like um, I don't connect with people in the way that I want to. Um, and then I kind of realize that, you know everyone feels that way. You know they say like uh, uniqueness is something that everyone wants to strive for. And that song is kind of like, well, what if what if my uniqueness is that I'm this defective person who. Uh, you know, I'm like, if there's like a, an assembly line of machines, I'm the defective machine on there. And it's not that way, but you just can't help but feel that way sometimes when you're just not kind of getting the uh, effect that you want to have on people or have these connections with people. Absolutely. Like imposter syndrome is one of the biggest issues that artists deal with. And, you know, every, Absolutely, yeah. everyone deals with it and to you, some extent. But There's a sense of validation too, right? That you want like, and I'm sure you get this too. You want people to like the music. You don't, not even just that they like you. It's just like you want, you know, prove to me that, that uh, I'm not alone in this and that you connect to it too. You feel the same way I do. That's kind of where a lot of my stuff comes from. And writing music is very therapeutic too, uh, just to get those thoughts out there. Absolutely. And I mean, I know that I, as a musician, both, you know, write and go to music when I'm feeling certain ways. There's certain bands that I'll listen to when I'm feeling down or stoked or want to get pumped up or I'm just bored, you know, trying to get some work done, that kind of stuff. And so, you know, I write to that, but I also listen to that as an audience member. And so that's, you know, being able to connect to to an artist and know that there is someone else out there who who feels the way you do. That's that's a huge part of the musical experience. And I love that. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So here we have Defective by Ending Left. me 
jam man so uh you wrote that all in a month but what was the, what was the process like in the studio how did that go the process in the studio was was kind of uh messy because of me and Aaron Isaac actually uh, my bass player wasn't playing bass for us yet in the studio for any release material we have it's just me and and my buddy Aaron uh I was on guitar and piano Aaron was on bass and drums I did uh vocals and, and Aaron did backing vocals and uh, we didn't really know exactly, even from having done a self-titled EP, we didn't fully know how to record an album in the kind of best way that we could possibly do it. We uh, tracked all the instruments, or we tracked, uh, yeah, all the instruments for every single song. So we did like the drums for all, you know, 12 songs on that album, and then we switched the bass, and then, we, you know. And uh, it, was just, it was just a method of trying to figure it out. I mean, we had uh, eight-hour blocks we would come in like once a month just because it's what we could afford. We paid for this album out of pocket. And uh, yeah, we do an eight hour block and it, it took us like a year and a half to finish tracking everything, get it mixed and mastered and sounding as professional as we could because we wanted the quality just to be as good as we could make it. And then adding in like, like that song has, you know, pulsing keys and synthesizers, like, uh, like strings and stuff. I just wanted to add so much cool shit to that song. Um, it was just a, it was a process that was, kind of um difficult to to get through but it was really fun and I, I actually like think about it a lot I really miss going to the studio and being able to do stuff like that like uh going through those difficult kind of things of like oh I wrote it this way but it doesn't really work that way in the studio so we have to kind of change it up a little bit or or find different things to do it was just it was a really fun really cool experience Oh yeah, totally. Like as a solo artist, I get that. Cause you know, you always, I want to add more because you can, but then you also have to think about, well, how am I going to do that live and all that fun stuff. But yeah, I, I love recording music. It's just, it's just, there's so many possibilities. Even for me too. 
I remember, sorry to interrupt. I am, I have like the, just no filter. As, as soon as I think something, I always, I always just shout it out. Um, but, but I was going to say that as far as like, uh, recording, like I, I, when we play live uh, a lot of times, cause it's just, you know, three of us and you know, there's, there's two guitars playing there and a piano playing simultaneously. So we kind of choose like, am I going to play piano for this song live or am I going to play guitar or what we're going to do? So our live, uh, music is a little bit different than the recording, which I actually kind of dig a little bit. It's like each time someone comes to see us, it's a little bit of a different experience. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't even know where I was going with that. I just, it popped in my head when, when you said that. <laughs> no, that's, that's good shit because I, I love that too. I love when I go see a band and it's, uh, it's not sloppy or unrehearsed, but it's a little bit different than it is on the album. Like, uh, Last time I saw Modest Mouse, they went in this like long jammy part that was fucking awesome. And like one of my friends got mad. He's like, no, play the way it's on the fucking album. I'm like, no way, man. It's way more. That's the beauty of live music, you know, like. Yeah. Well, like sometimes you can you can hear them uh, play it like it is on the album. But it's like, man, I've listened to that song a million times on the album. I know how it sounds. You know, I like uh, I like hearing it like different lives. Some people do things, too, where they'll go. Yeah. Like like you said, they'll go into these different kind of parts for songs i know weezer does that sometimes too they play like uh, guitar solos differently and stuff yeah no weezer's great at that and then muse always does like they'll like throw the intro of like a totally different song they'll play a little rage against the machines riff and then use that and then Mm -hmm. transition that into one of their songs or like i love it when bands do that shit like when you get surprised at a live show because it's different from what you heard yeah you know I know Ben Folds does that a lot too. He'll just play these like crazy uh, piano intros, or like in the middle of the song, just break it out into something else. It's oh yeah, cool. or he'll even he'll even just in the middle of a song like throw up Omegle and just start making up songs about the fucking uh, people <laughs> that he sees on Omegle on a projector in the yeah, he background. Just, he just improvises like crazy. Yeah, it's great. I have fucking I, I I love I think that bands you know don't do that enough, but. You know, that's everyone wants to be polished, right? But if you can be polished and creative at the same time, that's that's where it's, you know, that's where the magic that's like, happens. Like the perfect recipe. Exactly. Um, so you're an you're a multi instrumentalist. You're playing piano, uh, guitar, vocals, all, synths, all kinds of shit. What's your favorite piece of gear? Um, I had actually like a a PV amp, and I had a. Uh, uh, an Epiphone that I had kind of modded to, to be a little crunchier and to be a little heavier just so that when we were playing live, because, you know, if we're playing with one guitar, a bass and, and drums, it, it just filled out that sound a lot more. And I really, really loved both that amp and that guitar. We took it on tour. We went to San Francisco um, like two years ago, came back. And I was so worried about like, you know, San Francisco is really expensive. You know, if you, if you want to park in like a parking garage, it's like, hundred bucks a night or something. Oh yeah. And, uh, it was just, it was just ridiculous. So I was really paranoid about someone stealing my shit. Uh, we get home, everything's fine. The day that I get home, I was like exhausted. You know, we've been driving for nine or 10 hours or something. Um, I left my instruments in the car that night and my shit gets stolen out of my car, out, like in front of my house the day I get back. Ah. Uh... Oh yeah. I was so upset. Yeah. No, I've I've had so much shit stolen in, in the course of my life. Um, I played Sundance a couple of years ago, and uh, I was a. Uh, uh, it was just like it was like a three in the afternoon show, um, with uh, you know like a bunch of like wasps on acid watching me and demanding that I do uh, 
Dropkick Murphys covers. And I'm like, I'm not a jukebox lady. Right. But they were like, they were like, you know, it's Sundance. It was a great time. There were like a ton of other bands playing, you know, while the movies are all playing and shit. And so I stuck around to see the other bands. You know, I, uh, I got pretty hammered, took a long ass Uber home. Um, and then the next morning I, I woke up to discover that like someone had broken into my apartment like while I was passed out drunk and like taking a bunch of my music gear and shit. And like, they got like, they got like hit the back of his head on camera and I was furious. Um, but, yeah, like they, you know, but it was lucky that it happened in my apartment and, instead of my car. Cause you know, insurance actually, once you cross that threshold of your door, they actually, uh, insurance actually covers that shit. Right. So yeah. Yeah. You know, I, yeah, I had nothing covered for my car. It had to be like, they had to steal a certain amount of like money's worth. And it was just, it had to be like under like a couple thousand dollars or something or uh, it had to be over a couple thousand dollars. And I was just under it. I was like, fuck. Yeah. That's frustrating. I don't, I, I never understand it said why people steal shit from musicians. Half the time they don't even know what it is. Like I, I know yeah. that I, I had like, so I, one time I had like this super rare all black strat that like they only made a hundred of them. And that got stolen from out of my apartment once. And, like, I didn't have insurance at the time. But, like, that's not a guitar I could get again anyway. And I, yeah. I know that somebody just went and pawned it for 50 bucks. And I'm like, that guitar is worth, like, 1500 Fuck. Yeah. That's, that's like, yeah, it, it is insane, too. And it comes down to also, like, especially, like, we're not uh, these huge, famous musicians who can afford, like, you know, a lot of the instruments that we have, we, we could barely have afforded to have gotten in general. We got them all used and got them, you know, cheaper than than you know what what they're probably worth new and and then when it gets stolen you're like fuck i don't have the money to get a bunch of new equipment it's like it's just the worst to, to steal from uh people who don't have you know the money to, to get more of this shit so yeah no it's it's so frustrating uh, so what would you say drives you as a musician uh i would say like we were talking about before uh it's more of like a therapeutic uh, process for me. I mean, the, a lot of the songs, you know, we have um, some pretty like standard normal songs. I have a song about turning 20, you know, uh, just to see like, man, when I turn 30, how different are these songs going to be? Um, and, you know, just songs about kind of living life and, and growing up and stuff. But uh, some of the songs are a little more depressing. Um, just just because when something kind of happens, the way for me to, to move on from it, to get over it, is to write a song about it. And then once it's out, it's, it's out, you know, and I get to, to play it and, and sing it and kind of go back to it, but it's, it's not like eating at you anymore. And that's kind of where uh, a big part of my songwriting process comes from. It's, it's a, it's a therapy really. And I just love getting to play music and write it. And it just, yeah, I don't, it just has that kind of effect on me. Uh, beautiful. Oh, um, no, sorry. <laughs> no, you're good. Uh, what's your favorite curse word? My favorite curse word? Uh, fuck. I guess I don't know. That's pretty standard, but uh, yeah, if, if you're feeling like uh, angry or anything like that, just you know, just the just the the f and the, the you know, like that first part of it, just being like fuck, you know, like I don't know, it just hits harder. It does. It's 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 so it's it's almost uh, what's the word? I'm looking therapeutic. It just you you say yeah, it, it's therapeutic you, you exclaim it, and it just it lifts a little certain amount of weight off your shoulders. Um, yeah. So and even adding that into a song too, just being able to say like fuck in a song where it just really fits in there and it has that, that impact, that effect is like hitting like a really hard power chord. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, so you're, you're, you know, 
you're on a boat it's full of vinyl records um and all of a sudden it crashes it's sinking you only have time to grab three to play on your little coconut powered turntable uh what three records are you grabbing um this time i will go with an elliot smith one <laughs> i would choose um actually no i'll choose his, his original but heat miser um i don't even remember what the album's called i have it i have it in my mind my mind's blanking on it it's got half right on it it's the last one they uh released before they broke up i'll get that one <laughs> I would get, um, God, what's that? There's, so, there's just so, it's like such a loaded question because there's just so many albums out there and you're like, I only have three, you know, to listen on my coconut radio. What the fuck am I going to do? <laughs> um, that would be one of them. Uh, and it's, it's new moon is the name of that album. No, 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 not new moon. It's no. uh, on heat miser. It's the 1996 one. The one that oh, has the, the full band. Oh, I just don't remember what it's called though. Yeah. I, I can't either. Shit. God, I'm going to get so much hate from that if anybody listens to this. <laughs> Fine. We're all going to um, die anyway. Yeah. Oh, uh, Clarity, Jimmy E. World. Perfect. Um, it, it would either be, I think it would be Clarity. If not Clarity, then this close second would be um, the one right before that, uh, uh, Static Prevails. Um, and third, what would I pick third? I might just go through my music right now and just find one. I don't know. There's there's so many that uh, I, I don't know which one is like, you know, which one I can't live without. Um, and I'm just kind of blanking on basically everything at the moment. Uh, let's see. Fuck, man, I don't know. Like, uh, I don't know. I'm very like uh, OCD too, and I'm like, it has to be perfect. If it's not the fucking perfect, if it's the last album, I don't know what I'm gonna do with myself. I'm not. I'm not gonna be able to sleep tonight. <laughs> um, love something corporate, but I probably wouldn't. Choose. Maybe everything in transit. Jack's there we mannequin. go. Nailed it. Nailed it. Yeah. That's 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 the perfect. I love one. it. Yeah. It's one of my it's, favorite albums of all time. I, my too. I I can't. Uh, I think my my copy on vinyl is actually. I probably need to replace it, but you can't. You can't find it anywhere. Um, yeah. So, you know, there's that. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, I wish they'd re-release it or reprint it. But you know, at the same time, I know that my beat up old copy is worth a couple hundred bucks somehow. And I, I don't yeah, know. they did a reprint for like the 10 year thing. I just don't think it was on vinyl, which is unfortunate. For unfortunate. Um, so I know we talked about like colors as a metaphor and that kind of stuff. But what do you typically like to write about lyrically? Like what what's your like overarching theme? Um, for for uh, the album that we're working on right now, I would say the theme for this one is a lot about uh, kind of just like the, the shitty things that you do to kind of cope with life, you know, not, not shitty things that you do to other people, but to yourself a little bit. Like it's a, this self-destructive kind of thing. Like maybe you drink too much or, uh, or you like bottle things in and you just don't, you don't ever fix the problem. You're like, what can I do to just, uh, to, to go on for one more day, just trying to, you know, uh, keep myself like from going crazy, basically. Um, I would say, there's a, there's a level of kind of honesty in a lot of the stuff that I write. I'm going to, I'm going to write like if, if I, uh, like I said, like if I'm, if I'm drinking too much and, and people kind of making it aware, I'll put that in a song and, and, uh, worry about <laughs> what people think about me as a person, I think later. Um, cause I, I do like when artists are especially honest about 
you know, how they feel, even if they can't be that way in their day-to-day lives. It's kind of like a, it's your, it's your chance to, you know, kind of let people know who you are. I have a song on, on charting colors. Um, it's actually the way that it ends the album. The last thing that I say in it is like, I've been writing songs for this band, songs that tell you who I am kind of thing. And I would say that's a, that's a big part of what all the, uh, but all my songs have in them. Yeah, I, I, I can get behind that a bunch, like getting stuck and then getting back out of it. Like that's that's a very human thing. That's a very relatable, beautiful topic. And yeah, everybody, so much music that I've heard over the past few years is all about, look how cool I am, you know, like, and there's there's, yeah. not, there's not enough honesty in music. And I, I really appreciate that. Um, so what would you say a, a common myth about being a musician? Like when you tell people in a band that you're in a band, what do they think about you? Uh, that that's probably not true. Uh, well, I think there's also a kind of a level of like, like the, that, that meme about like, like SoundCloud rappers and stuff like that. You know, if you, if you say you're in a band, people kind of roll their eyes a little bit. Um, I, I typically don't even really do that as much just because I, I don't like, uh, that it can come off kind of braggy, even if you're not meaning for it to, you know, like, Oh, I'm in a band. It's awesome. But, uh, I, I don't know. Like there, there is that level of, I guess, kind of, you know, Oh, you're in a band. That's awesome. Like, you know, whatever. Yeah. Right. <laughs> that's, that's, that's funny. Yeah. It's, a, it's like that one meme of like, you know, it's got the, the COVID and it's got like the, you're wearing a mask, low chance of transmission, other person's, you know, wearing a mask, lower chance of permit, and it goes all the way down, like, you know, socially distant, you know, very low risk. And then, you know, like, hey, check out my band's new demo. And it's like zero risk. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, so uh, what's what's one unpopular opinion that you have that you know is true? Just about anything in general? Yeah. Or music-wise, no, an anything, unpopular opinion. Anything, you know, like when one guy told me that he he believes that the shape of the Earth that we're told is might not be true once. So you know, anything. Oh, he's a flat earther. He didn't use that word, <laughs> but that's what it is. Unless he's like, oh, it's a cube. It's shaped like a cube. Um, <laughs> it's a donut. It's a donut. Um, man, I don't know. I mean, I'm. Uh, you know what's funny now is like I could say like an unpopular opinion is something that is like scientifically proven to be true, you know, and because I'm I'm kind of like a like a science person, like or like evolution or something like that, and I, and I don't you know if, if people uh, are are uh, like religious or, or you know go, going against things that I might personally not believe, it's it's fine with me, you know. I don't I don't really care uh, what other people believe as long as you're not hurting other people for it, but. Uh, Oh, are, it is attitude. now a thing where like some science is like considered an unpopular opinion. Oh yeah, totally. Um, I, I I read somewhere the other day that uh, science is racist. Um, oh god. Yeah. Jeez. Right. Like I'm like I, I I mean there's points that could be made like maybe certain programs right like aren't accepting people that kind of thing like. But just yeah. the just the general idea that uh, you know my Science feelings, is racist. yeah, my feelings are more. It hurts my heart a little data. bit. Yeah, it, me too. You know, like I don't, I don't feel good about that. That hurts my feelings. Yeah, it, it makes me feel sometimes like, uh, like you know that movie Idiocracy. Yeah. Yeah, like we're heading into like kind of a real life idiocracy, like kind of thing. I'm like just like, oh my god, 
heading it's, into it's pretty scary times. I, I'm pretty sure our current president is sponsored by Goya beans. So I mean, Mountain Dew, Goya beans. I I don't I don't know. Like how much? What's the slope there? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Jesus. <laughs> uh, so, what are you hoping to accomplish in the years to come with your with your band? Um. I mean, I, I try to keep my, uh, and this is probably something that, that some people would say not to do, but I try to keep my goals, uh, like not super far ahead and kind of keep them a little more realistic. Because if I say like, you know, oh, I want to play in, you know, sold out arena, like, uh, you're going to be real bummed if you don't get that. I think that the best way to kind of, to kind of go by those is like have short-term goals and, and try to work your way towards that arena kind of thing. Um, I would say right now, I would like to be able to just like, cause I have, you know, I have a day job. Uh, all the guys in, in my band do any local musician will usually still have a day job. Even if you're able to tour and, and I can make some money off merch and stuff, it's still not enough to pay my bills. And I would kind of hope that eventually I could, uh, I could make enough money doing music to be able to just be able to do that and, and to keep writing and have stuff released more frequently and uh, not be, you know, financially afraid every time I, I have to put a little bit of money into it. So, yeah, that's the dream. No, because you're absolutely right. Because if you make the goal, you know, selling arenas, once that happens, even if that happens, then that's not enough. Then, you know, you're, you're, yeah, whole, then you get, then you have higher goals after that. Right, exactly. Then you want to headline Coachella. And then after, yeah. once, once that happens, which is, I mean, for all I know, maybe that's the way to do it. Maybe then, then those people are doing that. That's, that, that's what the goals that they had set. I, I would like to, I, it's like, I would have like a main, like, like one goal, you know, like, Oh, let's sell out, like, uh, let's sell out a show and, and let's do that. And then little goals to kind of work my way towards that. You know, right now I, I want to focus on, uh, kind of getting people to, to, I don't know, like we have, we have people that listen, but I, I do kind of want, I guess it comes back to that connection thing. I, I would like to have a connection with people that like the music. And I like to, I like to be able to talk to people like from, you know, other states or, or other countries too, which we've got to do before. And that's really fucking awesome. Like, uh, someone, someone from like across the world just being like, Oh, you know, not just that they like the music, but then we talk about music and it's, it's really cool. Oh yeah. No, that's, that's something that's just very recently become a part of my life is like dudes from Argentina hitting me up about my, about my songs or dudes from Germany and shit and, uh, the UK and Ireland, or even there's even one cat in Singapore, that's all about <laughs> all about what we're doing over here. So like it, it's, it's crazy. And that's, that's the thing I think a lot of people forget is that, you know, they're so focused on the long-term goals or, or the, even the short-term goals that they forget to enjoy the journey. Cause at the end of the day, you're fucking making music and that's an enjoyable fucking thing. Yeah. It's kind of like, you're already living the dream right now. People are listening to you and, and, and if one person gives a damn about what you're doing, you you're successful in that sense. You should be happy with, uh, with anything like that it's it's really amazing really no exactly like i've got a dude who like he like teaches people how to do like day trading and shit right and he makes stupid money um but like his whole attitude he does he doesn't care about that like his whole thing is like he gets stoked every time like he, he gets off on the fact that like when somebody is his client and they make their first twenty thousand dollars during day trading or whatever, and they've changed their lives for the better. Like that's what he gets off on, and that's the attitude to have. Like if I can just make one person feel like they were understood with one song, then I've done my job, and then everything else is gravy. That's actually like a kind of a funny story that reminds me. Like uh, you just played Defective. I remember somebody went up to me after a show before, 
and that was kind of like the the same kind of feeling that I that I have about it. Like, man, if people can connect to it, somebody went up to me and said something along the lines of like, they were uh, just in a really dark kind of place, dark kind of chapter, and defective was really. Um, kind of getting them through the shit that they were going through. Like they, they were listening to on repeat and it was just, it just spoke to them. And that like, just that spoke to me, man. Like it, it I can't even explain how, how it made me feel. It was like, if just one person like, you know, it feels like it, it helped them too. I'm like, fuck, there's nothing really better you can do than that. Like that's kind of, that's the dream. Right. Everything else is just nonsense. You know, I mean, money's made up to begin with, right? Like everything else is just yeah. nonsense, you know, keep a roof over your head and eat some good food, have some good friends. But yeah, if you can make a serious difference in someone else's frame, frame of mind, that's fucking huge. Um, it, it gives you like a little sense of purpose too. Like, you know, that's, that's kind of why I'm on this planet right now, you know, like uh, it's to, to help people and to, to do what you can. That's awesome, dude. Uh, so one last question. If you were me, if you could step into the shoes of Elder Bryson, what would you have asked yourself that I didn't? Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> fuck, I don't know. I think you did a pretty good job with these questions. I, I thought it was cool to have that conversation. Um, I would have asked maybe... I don't know. I, I'm not much of an interviewer either. I don't really uh, know how, how that goes. Um, maybe just, a, I guess, more about uh, how it started or, or the other or the other members. Maybe uh, I guess it is. It is mostly like me uh, talking about kind of like the songwriting and, and experience like that. Um, but I don't know. I like talking about my friends too. I like. Uh, okay, <laughs> I like yeah. plugging them. So tell tell us the origin story. Tell us tell us about you know what what where, where you found your bass player and obviously your drummer. And you were, uh, uh, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, friends from the childhoods. Uh, where yeah. where where did it start? Like what where did you come up with the name? All that fun stuff. Oh, um, we were actually like me and me and Aaron and my drummer. Uh, we we were you know talking about being in a band since before we could even really play instruments. Um, it's like, it's literally always been as far as I can remember, like our dream to kind of be able to do what we're doing now. Um, we, I think we had the band like seven days or something before that. And it, we never did anything with it. We never made any, we never made one song. We just, you know, we were like, Oh, we're in a band. It's called seven days. Um, uh, I think in like high school around, around high school, uh, we came up with that name and it's, it's kind of like, uh, I think it was like a little bit of a tribute to even Andrew McMahon really uh, inspiring like me to play piano and stuff like that. And I know he, he has like a label now um, or he had a band called like uh, left tier or something. So we took that part left. And I, and I think the other part, the ending part was just kind of like uh, just really random in terms of uh, how we came up with it. I think even like a, a name generator might've been involved. I don't, I don't even fully remember uh, how we came up with it, but, but we somehow got that name and just kept it with us for a couple years. And then when we released, uh, you know, we were working on our, our EP and everything and just uh, doing covers and stuff like that. We released it under that name. Um, I do remember one of the, one of the kind of cool things about it is for some reason ending left just reminded me of kind of like a, like a street sign, that kind of idea of like, like a speed limit sign. And that kind of became our logo. It's a, it's a, it's a speed limit sign with ending left. And then there's like a left turn arrow that's been turned upside down. And that was something I, I kind of just like made on Photoshop. And I was just, 
really wanted to do something with that. And that actually ended up being like our self-titled cover. And then that was also on uh, our album, Charting Colors. And it's probably going to be on, you know, in some way it'll be on every album that we make after that. Um, we had, we've, we've gone through a bunch of bass players. It's kind of hard to keep, uh, you know, them. And I think especially just because uh, like, like me and me and Aaron have been friends for so long and then, you know, we get a bass player and we have all these inside jokes and we kind of, you know, and it, it's, it's hard to, to, you know, it's like a family. It's kind of hard to, to, to keep that going if you don't feel like you have the, the right people in it or whatever, but, uh, but we're still friends with, with the people that were, that were in our band before and everything's cool about that. Uh, Isaac, we just played a bunch of shows with him, with his band. And we were friends with all the members of that band and they were all really cool guys. And um, We actually, right before we went to San Francisco, that, that those couple of years ago, before my uh, shit got stolen, um, our, our bass player had actually wanted to be in another band. And so uh, he, he joined that one and we needed to find a bass player. And we had like two days before we left to tour. So uh, we ended up using, uh, Isaac's bass player in suburban park. And then, um, he moved to, uh, San Francisco, uh, where he's originally from, he was down here for school and then he ended up moving back up there. And, and now we use Isaac as a bass player. Um, and he's just like, you know, me and me and Aaron play a bunch of different instruments and Isaac just can, can play anything. He's just an amazing musician. It's insane. Oh yeah. Well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, ending left. Thank you so much for coming on and joining us. Thank you for having me, man. Oh, Loved yeah. it. This has been a blast. I'm, I'm, I'm super stoked to see you guys uh, play a show once uh, once this is all over. Yeah, once COVID's over. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, they're saying fall 2020, 2021. So let's, let's cross our fingers on that. Let's, let's hope people start wearing the masks. Yeah, yeah, let's be, let's be safe out there. All right. Thank you so much. You have a great day. Yeah, you too.